This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode number 62. That seems like a really big number. What did you watch this week? My name, my name is Mike. My name is John, and it's one bigger than last week's number of 61. Uh, it is. It's one bigger. We're closing in on the titular number that makes all the school kids giggle. <laughs> Just seven short weeks away. Ah, we are childish. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. so this week kind of saw the end of a lot of shows. Not all of them, but a lot of the shows that we've been watching them. this season. Most of mine are gone. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, we're recording on Thursday, June 1st, um, because the holiday was Monday, and we have complicated lives at times. So this is when we finally able to sit down and, and, and chat about stuff. I've been good, though. I haven't watched any of the shows from this week, which was uh, admittedly made easier because there weren't that many that... Say, was there... It was Gotham? Uh, Gotham, there's been a few. Gotham, iZombie, Downward Dog, uh, the newest episode of Handmaid's Tale and American Gods. So, there's been a few. Okay, so I had Gotham. Because <laughs> I'm really... I have not really watching it, and I haven't watched any of American Gods past that first episode that day. But I have watched the hell out of Supernatural season 12 since they posted the entire season on Netflix uh, the other day. This is the first season after they fought the ultimate darkness that is the opposite of God, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, So this is the one where it's like, Hey, Which was God's sister, by the way. Yeah, we, we've taken on yeah. everything in increasing order of evilness up to the point of the ultimate evil in the universe. Where do we go from here? Eh. Where do they go from here, Mike? Uh, they are having conflicts with the British men of letters who are basically trying to be British. They, okay. They're... The, the the British men of letters are um, for for them they're maintaining the stereo uh, type that British people feel they're better than everybody and okay. can do things better and are better than stupid Americans at times. I, I and, think we may be seeing some of that in the new Kingsman movie coming up. Probably. Yep. And uh, the other evil they're facing is Lucifer. Really? They, they're going to yep. go back and dip their fountain pens in the Lucifer ink, huh? Yes. Yes, they are. Is it Mark Pellegrino again? Eventually. Yep. Okay. Eventually, and they explain why. They have a good explanation. For a couple episodes, it's uh, Rick Springfield. <laughs> oh, my God. That was interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm going to say this, and I mean it. This is the best season they've had in years. There has been many episodes that I have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I've watched the whole season, okay? Okay. 
because uh, I had watched the first four, three or four, when it started, and then when they got to the Hitler rebirth episode, I was like, no, I can't do it. And But I've just blown right through them because it's been dead at work, and I've been watching them on my tablet. And I'll just say this is the best season they've had in years. Hmm. I've, there's several episodes I've really, really enjoyed. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to next year. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the last couple of years that were a real struggle. Yeah. Um, this year, once I got into it, it was, it was not a struggle at all. It was awesome at times. There was a couple of moments when I went, eh, but it was very brief. Otherwise it was really, it was done well. There was a lot of, and I think it had a lot to do with, even though like there was the underlining things with the British men of letters and then the underlining things going on with Lucifer, they actually really got down back to them hunting, like in the early seasons. Okay. And you know, at the beginning of every episode they do a then and then they do the now. Well, a lot of the thens went back to seasons like one and two. Oh, wow. Yeah, or, or, or three or maybe four, but a lot of the thens went back to a lot of the earlier seasons. So hmm. that was kind of cool. And, um, well, their mom's in this whole season because at the end of last season, God gave Dean back his mom. Yeah. Or Lilith did. But, um, yeah, it was – I, I gotta be I, honestly. I thoroughly enjoyed this season, and I'm actually glad I, I kind of waited and watched it all the way I did. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, like I like. Did you watch last season at all? No, no. I'd say screw it, don't watch it. <laughs> but I, I would recommend you watching this season because really, all you need to know from last season to this season is that their mom is back. Their mom is back. Yeah, like the la- the way the season ended was. Basically, like Lilith said, gave Dean a present, which was their mom back. Why couldn't she bring dad back? I, I don't know. Contract don't, dispute, you know, Walking Dead. Probably. <laughs> they do do a little homage to the Walking Dead in an episode where, like, um, Dean and Sam are heading, they're heading back into the bunker. And Dean makes a comment of, oh, Dad really loved this. They just got back from a hunt, and he sets it down, and it's a barbed wire wrap baseball bat. <laughs> nice. So they do do that. And I'm just, it's, I, I'm not going to tell you when and where or how, but they managed to bring Bobby back for, an, for a cameo. Oh, God. And it's not in a flashback. Okay. Yeah. And they actually, the way they do it is kind of like, all right, I'm buying this. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and yeah, Jody's back. Jody's back in several episodes. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm really enjoying her. Um, yeah, she was always a good character on the for, show for such an yeah. ancillary. Yeah, well, she's uh, she like became surrogate mom, and that right. kind and that and that kinda when when she meets Mary, it kinda's like it gets talked about a little bit. So. Um, yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed this season. I, I, I really did. I think it has a lot to do with the fact they kind of got back to the basics of hunting monsters. Right, which is why we loved it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to talk about it in more detail next week because we do have a lot to talk about this week with the finales of Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and, and we got you know we got to get Doctor Who in there, last week's Gotham with, uh, with Toos, and uh, 
and whatnot. But yeah, so I, I didn't mean to even talk about it this long. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I actually had an opening all set in mind that I wanted to start out with. Really? You'd put that much thought into it? Well, of, of, not of Supernatural, of just the show this week. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Which is, cause it's, this is gonna come up, like, immediately, at least in Flash, it's gonna come up in Arrow, and so I just wanna talk about it now and get it out of the way. I'm, um, I'm really tired of TV shows, especially TV shows who do that constant bit where they put the main characters in peril when you know nothing's going to happen in the moment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I, it's just, it's old to me. So old to me. It's not only um, old, but it's insulting. It really is insulting because it's like, that person's not going to be dead. Right. That's the main character of the show. Yeah. That, that person's not dying. They're literally the title character. Exactly. It's a ridiculous notion. They're not going to kill all those people. Right. That's just stupid. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, there's a couple of shows. Like, okay, Supernatural, they they kill some people. Yeah. You know? Uh, but Sam and Dean are never going to die, die, and the show's going to continue on. Right. They tried to, early on, make us believe that they did. Yeah, exactly. Then but, it happens so many times that... But real, realistically, they're the meat and potatoes of the show. Without them, you know, there's yeah. no show. Yeah. Every other character is them being, you know, getting killed or dying or whatever is believable. It's possible. You know, sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, it makes sense or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Sam and Dean are never going to die. Stop putting them in tragic peril because we know it's not going to happen. Yeah. You can torture them. They can get kidnapped, shit like that. But don't give me a cliffhanger where, you know, Sam falls into the pit like they did several seasons ago because it's not happening. He's not dying. Yeah. It's just – it's ludicrous is what it is. It really is. And like I said, it feels insulting as somebody who's a learned watcher because – also, let's remember that this is the day and age of the internet. So when you're reading a story online three yeah. weeks before the finale that says, you know, X number of people have signed contracts for the next three years. Exactly. And then they dare to put up an episode that's like, <gasps> did all of these people die? Well, no, because they signed contracts for the next three years. Yeah. No, they we already because, know this. Because if they did, then there wouldn't be a show. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just I, – I really think writers need to stop being lazy and just stop putting these – putting the main characters or the whole cast or whatever you want to do, stop putting them at peril. It's not going to – we know it, nothing bad is going to happen. Right. Now, that being said, I yeah. thought that one show actually did something along those lines fairly well this week. Okay, which one was that? Supergirl. Yes, with Monel. Yes. Yes. Because he was main enough, you know, yep. he kind of, he was the twist at the end of the first season. You know, yes. who's inside the capsule? And then we find out that it's this guy from Daxum. And he yes. grew as a character. He became a mainstay on the show. First yep. because he was trying to adapt to Earth and they were trying to adapt to the fact that he came from a hedonistic planet. And then he established himself as a love interest, but not really. But then, yes. And he grew as a character. He became, I want to be a hero. He was actually really cool by the end of the season. Yeah, you really did like him. And then Kara had to make that that ultimate choice yep. 
you know, to basically poison the atmosphere to his kind, putting the lead in the atmosphere to make the Daxum fleas yeah. flee. You know, Rhea, Rhea crumbles because yep. she dies, which is kind of weird. But yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. She's hasn't been on the planet that long, so she would be susceptible more, you know, faster. And Monal has to leave the planet. Yep. It, and it was believable. That, yep. Yeah, well, it's as also, far as comic books go, I mean, correct. But like, Kara's character is always trying to save everybody, doing everything to make sure everybody comes out good, giving everyone opportunities. And yet, here she is making the choice, you know, of her love interest, the person that she's in love with. Yep. As she knows that she'll save, she's she's not putting him in front of everybody. She's putting the whole world in front of him, essentially. Right. And she gets all the accolades afterwards. You know, the people coming up saying, "I'm so yeah. proud of you. Uh, you made the right decision." And it's still a hard pill to swallow you know, because she's the one that loses in this everyone else gets to say oh thank god you know our loved yep. ones oh thank god we all get to live and she's like yeah and i lost someone very special to me i i've got the big hole i have to deal with it it was my decision and i got screwed over because of it so yeah yeah no absolutely um and then he gets sucked into a black hole or the phantom zone or something I think it's going to be Phantom Zone, just yeah. because it's a Superman type thing. Um, th- there were a few things on the show that I questioned, such as uh, one was the Silver Kryptonite. Oh my God! Okay, okay. I have such issues with Rhea knowing how Kryptonite will affect Kryptonians on Earth. Yeah, it, there's no way that it should have worked because by the time Kryptonite was created, there were two left: Kara right. and uh, Cal. Yeah, and. So, yeah, she couldn't have been doing research. They just got here recently. But she's, yep. like, professing to be an expert on it. You know, oh, well, yeah. this oh, stuff. Pieces <laughs> of this rock landed all over my planet when yours exploded and da-da-da-da. Great. Why would you bring it all with you? Ouch. Sorry, my cat just stupidly rolled off the couch and tried to use my leg to catch herself with her claws. Ah. Uh, doesn't that she hurt. know that they always land on their feet? That hurt a lot. I bet it did. Ah. Uh. She would have no idea of knowing how that kryptonite's going to affect them. Yeah. On it, Earth, because she doesn't know how, she doesn't know that the yellow sun's going to give them powers. Yeah. You know, like, it's just. It was ridiculous. And the it's fact dumb. that she apparently whammied him with the silver kryptonite and then she didn't even have it on her. Because if she did, then she would have been able to use him. it on Kara. Mm hmm. And. Everything that we've seen in the past, kryptonite affects Superman, Supergirl, etc., uh, Zod, by being in proximity to them. Correct. It's not like you whammy them with a ray gun and they go lock it up in the safe and they're like, I'm under your control until I get banged around enough times. Right, exactly. Yeah, until – I mean, and I will say this, though. I thought the fight between Superman and Supergirl was, was a really good fight. I really enjoyed that as well. It was a good fight scene. It was a good fight sequence. Yep. Unlike the fight scene between Supergirl and Rhea, because Rhea is played by a 50-year-old woman, and <laughs> you have to make sure you can't see her face when they're fighting. Right. Because right. it's a stunt double. Yeah. Uh, but I love this fight between Superman and, and Supergirl. I thought it was yeah. a great fight. And then I was surprised that Supergirl beat him on her own. Yeah. It, it was, that was that was interesting. That I, was I was interesting. very surprised about that. Yep. I... Uh... I liked it ultimately, but yeah, it was kind of surprising that it came down to just fisticuffs and she managed to knock him out. Yeah. Can I just say how much I enjoyed 
Cat being back on the show. You know, that was going to be another point about this episode that I was going to make was that this proved once again, that's two episodes in a row that have proven that this show shines so much more when Calista Flockhart is there as Cat. Yeah. And it really surprises me because initially I wasn't a big fan of her character. Yeah. Um, but now it's like you say, yeah, the episodes that she's there, they've, she really makes the show better. She does. And you know, it's not just the actress because, you know, Calista Flockhart's cool and all, but, you know, she's not like this presence that just demands attention. She's not the hip code from Futurama, but she, the, the lines that they give her, the, presence that she brings her character it just and the like, pep talks she's yeah. constantly giving everybody <laughs> when she's like oh thank you mr olsen he's like on oh, guardian she's like oh honey i can see your eyes through that helmet yeah uh. oh i love the bit where she talks about i've never seen star wars <laughs> you know her husband's yeah. harrison ford for exactly no <laughs> yeah yeah um but then at the end you know she tips her hat that she knows that car is supergirl yep which, which is no surprise. Exactly. You know? But it's also, um, it like, in any other show, that might be like, a, oh, God, you know, a grown-worthy kind of thing. But in this one, you're like, yep, you know what? She'd be the type of character that would know something. Like, she knew it a while back, and then they had to do the whole John Jones showed up in shape-change form so that she could see right. Kara and Supergirl together, you know, to throw her off. But... It doesn't need to be a thing. Like, she's comfortable enough knowing it and saying, if they don't want me to know it, I know it. Who cares? You know? I'll play dumb. Yep. And that's another thing that's great about her character. She knows it, but she doesn't have to prove to the world that she knows it. Yep. Um, uh, real quick, like we talked about people having contracts, this and that and everything. I can't think of her name now, but the girl that plays Alex's girlfriend. Yep. It's Maggie. not going to be Maggie. She's not going to be. It's. I read that she's not going to be a series regular next year. She's only going to be in a few episodes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe they're bringing Cat back more. Maybe. Hey, so the show ends thirty-five years ago. You know, a baby is launched from the other side of Krypton. Yeah. Um. After they put like the blood on the bee on the child's lips and everything. What's What's your thought? What's your take on this? My initial thought is that they're trying to do Doomsday. And I really That's hope what I not. thought too, but Rude had another theory okay. which we talked about last week, and now I can't remember. Has something to do with like a Kryptonian werewolf, hence the blood. Oh. It's something. It's something from the comics from a long time ago. Okay, there was that was a uh, a cult, a oh, dark okay. cult. So, oh, that would be cool. Yeah, but yeah, I initially thought possibly Doomsday as well, but I I hope not because well, Doomsday is Superman's villain. Well, not only that, but in every iteration that we've gotten, Doomsday kills Superman. So, you know, would we be looking at a Doomsday kills Supergirl kind of thing? Yeah, again, they wouldn't kill Supergirl because then there's no show. Right. But I will say this, too. Um, This is, as far as I'm concerned, this is the last time that they're going to get away with this whole uh, there's another being coming from Krypton type of thing. Because, you know, at the end of the first season, we got that shuttle and they were like, oh, my God, there's somebody else. This season, we're seeing that another one was launched 35 years ago. It's somewhere. Yeah. This is the last time, you know? Absolutely, kind of, yeah. Kind of like how Flash has said that next season, there will not be a speedster for the main villain. Good, because we're done with those, you know? Supergirl's um, got to come up with something else, whether it's, you know, a, a take on one of their genetically engineered creatures, like a Metallo type of thing or something. Right. But, yeah, no more of this. I'll give them this one. That's it. 
I will say ultimately though, between the four DC shows that we have on there, um, I, my order is still Flash, Supergirl, and then I guess this season Legends and then Arrow or Arrow <laughs> then Legends, like it really switched back and forth, but to me, Flash and Supergirl are just far superior than the others. Yes, and honestly, Flash took some big hits this year. We've talked it, about that. Yeah, it did. It did. And I, I'm not saying it rebounded in the in the finale. Neither am I. Are you uh, you want to go on and talk about it? Let's do it. Okay. So um, we get the opening, and Iris has been killed, and then we find out that Iris is actually HR because he had that thing that changed their appearance, and he traded places with her. And which was kind of clever because that facial thing was shown like yeah. way back in the beginning of the season, yeah. and then kind of yeah. forgotten about. So they did plant it there. We never got a you know previously on the Flash like Supernatural right. likes to do. So I actually was okay with it yep. because I thought, all right. They still saw the future where where Savitar kills um, Iris, mm-hmm. but we never saw beyond that. We never saw that. Oh, it was actually HR. So it, to me, it's not a bait and switch. Right. It's not like you know in Misery when she was really unhappy because at the end of the serial the next week they showed something that couldn't possibly have happened. Right. Well. Technically, I'm just going to stop you there because technically we did see what 17 years later or seven years later or whatever with Emo Berry and Joe. Oh, that's and- right. Iris was dead. Yeah. So, okay, fair so enough. We have I seen that I future, but all right. So I, I guess I didn't consider that. I was just like, all right, I, I can buy that. Yep. Like to me, that's believable. I'm okay. Rude was not pleased with this whatsoever. He he was like, you know, with the, the whole season's been based on this happening, and da 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 da. And I was like, all right, that, okay, cool, whatever. Um, I never expected Barry to try to befriend and help Barry Tar. <laughs> Sava Barry. Yep. I didn't. I didn't see that at all. The power of friendship and love. And, yeah. Um, it felt like the most comic book episode of the Flash. I kept telling myself that over and over again. I was like, this literally feels like a comic book. You know, right from the get-go of, oh, ho-ho, all along you thought it was Iris, but it was actually HR using face-swapping technology. Ho-ho. And then, you know, Barry reaching out with the power of love and friendship, like something out of a Saturday morning cartoon. Yep. And almost making it look like it's going to work. But, no, at the last second, he's thwarted because I'm truly evil and you can't get through to evil like that. And But Cisco, at least, it seemed, was prepared for this. Yep. Because when, you know, when they blasted him with the gun and this and that or whatever, they set it up basically so that it actually pulled OG Flash out of the Speed Force. Which is where we start getting into some more problems. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right, it was cool that he readjusted it because, you know, Savitar's ultimate plan was to scatter. It was right out of Doctor Who, honestly. It was right yeah. out of Matt Smith's, you know, with uh, it really was, yeah. I'm going to spread myself throughout the entire timeline so that I exist in time everywhere and, and anywhere at all times. And instead, with some calculations adjusted, he shot it and... Like you said, it pulled Jay Garrick out of the Speed Force. I've given up, by the way, on the argument of uh, how does Cisco know how to everything he does in the blink <laughs> of an eye and they, I'd be able to 
take technologies we've never heard of and things we've never experienced and be able to tweak and do this and that. I'm just like, screw it. He's yeah. a Mary Sue. That's the end of it. Yeah. Like I said, this was a very comic book episode. You know, suddenly we've got the flash of Earth 3 in there to help them. Uh, Barry suddenly realizes, you know, oh, I could run really fast, phase myself into Savitar's armor and then stop the phasing, but phase him out of the armor at the same time and then vibrate so fast that I explode the armor. Which, you notice that they said that he needed the armor because he ran too fast and it burned him. And that would explain the burns on his faces. But they never went back to that. They never really, like... No, they didn't. Like, expounded upon why this particular version of Barry ran so fast that he burned himself. How is that a thing? But, you know, if they're just going to throw it away, that's fine. Um, where I started having the biggest problem... You know, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, you know, the showdown was cool. Yeah. Seeing Wally and Jay helping Barry and they're chasing Savitar and he's knocking over trees with his arm blades and stuff. And, you know, it was, it was a big epic speedster battle. They got in their CGI budget for the day. And then, you know, at the last second, Caitlin Frost. I guess we have to call her because she's not really Caitlin and she's not really Killer Frost anymore. Um, Decides to help the team, but not be part of them, because she's got to go off and figure out who she is. Yeah. Which, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out next season, I guess. But, you know, the showdown was good. Um, the, The whole reason behind the showdown was that we had now created a paradox. You know, if... Iris didn't die, then Barry didn't go into his dark place, and so he didn't have to create time remnants to fight Savitar, so that time remnant was never created, so Savitar was never created. The paradox was catching up with Savitar and was going to destroy him, you know, basically like wipe him out of existence. So that was the whole purpose behind this thing. But apparently, this is my problem, apparently the paradox only went that far, because then later, after everybody's, like, enjoying and having their little victory slaps on the back and, oh, we did it and we survived and now we've got Harry Wells back here, you know, the gruff and rough and tumble guy and, you yep. know, is he going to be the one for next season and blah, blah, blah. Everybody seems happy and then suddenly the storm starts happening and it's ripping apart the city. First off, this is the Speed Force and this is dealing with time. Why is it happening right there, right then? Why is it not happening all over the world in every time period? Why is That's it a valid just, point. Why is it just happening in Central City at that one time period? And secondly, they're saying that the whole reason that this time storm is happening is because the speed force is collapsing in on itself because that prison has to have somebody in it and it needs to be stabilized. That doesn't make any sense. The prison was created for Savitar. If the Paradox has erased Savitar, why didn't the Paradox also Should erase the prison? Should have erased the prison. The prison. Yep. The, yep. There's no reason behind this. The logic is not there. And even less logical is the fact that Barry, of all people, is like, he's smiling. He's like, hey, it's okay, guys. I screwed up. This is my punishment. I'm going to go into the Speed Force. It's almost. It was almost like the the show was mocking us, like you had said earlier. It was. It was. And that's exactly how I took that, too, was yeah. – He's going, don't worry, I'm the star of the show. Yeah. I'll be back. 
I'll be back in episode one. Exactly. Yeah. Don't worry, there might be like an episode or two where people try to figure out how to get me out of there, but you know, I'm Barry Allen. I'm yeah. the Flash. This show yeah. is mine. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things that really, not, I'm not gonna say set me off, but it just made me like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, they're gonna kill Barry, alright, yeah, almost. Yeah, it, it really bothered me. It really, it, like, not like yep. flipping tables and screaming, but it really bothered me because, you know, like we discussed earlier, it was insulting. Yeah, it, it was absolutely insulting. There was no gravity to it whatsoever. You know, he's the star character. If they had stabbed Cisco through the heart yeah. and left him bleeding there, it would have meant more because then it might have been like, okay, is he really coming back or not? I don't know if this actor is still signed on. I don't know if they're going to let the show go on without Cisco. Will they have to get Cisco from another universe? You know, what's going to happen here? Even but, if they killed Wally. Yeah. Like he's a secondary character who like Cisco provides, I think is a, is a more of a character than Wally is. So even if they killed Wally, you'd be like, all right, well they may actually kill him. Yeah. But they're not killing Barry. It's no. just not happening. No. You know, he literally does the opening speech at, at every episode. Yeah, you know, exactly. My he name is, is Barry Allen and I'm the fastest man alive. Right. But, unless <laughs> episode one starts next season of I'm Wally West and I'm the fastest man alive, you know, that would be kind of cool. But well, still, they're I was, not, go ahead. I was just going to say, they're not going to let him be dead. No, I was complaining to Root about this very thing, and his response is, well, you know, in the comics, they make oh, Barry Wally West the Flash. I went, fuck you. Yeah. That's, no, you're, you're just being a jerk and stoking the fire right now. Yeah. No. That's, that's, no, yeah, it's that's, not that's, happen. that's, that's I not going to happen. I know they did happen. that in the comics. I know Adam, that when Flash right, disappeared. Yeah. But you know what? The yeah. news headlines still said, Flash disappears during crisis. Yeah. And it was in the future, and it was written by Iris West Allen, right. which means they got married at some point. So Exactly. So we all know that it was complete horseshit, and the writers really screwed up there. I mean, there's no way that they could have screwed up more. But it was insulting. Literally, that's the best word it, for it. It would make more sense if Barry put him if, – if, if Wally put himself into there. Yeah. And then they spent trying to try to get Wally back out. Yeah. That would make more sense. It would. And you could spread that over half a season if you yeah. needed. But what really makes the most sense is the fact that there should not be an issue here. Right. The paradox there should, should have be, resolved yes. it all. Right. You're right. Oh. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. Massively. Anyway. Massively. Well, let's keep the fires just to burning. Oh. Let's throw it on to the finale of Arrow. And uh, apparently, and Adrian Chase, the world's smartest, most capable man. Oh my God! I know. I'm, I made the same comment. Like Adrian Chase's plan is just a wee bit too elaborate to be believable. Like even Lex Luthor. Right. Many consider to be the smartest villain in yep. the DC universe yep. would look at this and go, how the hell did this mofo pull this off? But like Bear, like Oliver and company blindly walk into a trap at the beginning, you know, because and you then, know that's what they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then you have wait, you have, you know, um, Sl uh, Slade. Yep. And oh, is, is he working with Oliver? Oh, no, he's not. Oh, wait, yeah, he really is. You know what I mean? Like, just flip-flopping yeah. through the whole episode. Yeah. Captain uh, Boomerang, who I literally had to look up because yeah. I was like, who's this 
Joker again? Oh yeah, we had him for like one episode earlier yes. in the season and we're supposed to care about him. Actually, right. it might have even been the season before. It was a while ago. Yeah. And we have no reason to care. No. Um Yeah, but essentially they fight, everybody fights everybody on on the island. We get flashbacks of the island of how of how Oliver got off the island finally. So at least the fl- f- f- flashback wise, he's not on the island anymore. Thank God. <laughs> um, Pretty soon they'll be like flashing back to season one. <laughs> we'll have to yeah. watch like what happened off camera. Exactly. And then, you know, you have the, the showdown finally on the boat with Chase and with Oliver and William. And I actually did love the fact when Chase made the comment about, Boy, for an absentee father, you really do care about him a whole lot, whatever <laughs> it was. But it was basically like, for a son you didn't know you have, have never spent any time with, you sure are, you know, father of the year when it comes to being deadbeat of the year. Yeah, you know? it was, uh, it's ridiculous. Like, the level of commitment that he has to this child who literally could just be any child off the street. Pretty much. Point. I mean, that should be other than, you know, he knocked a woman up that, you know, uh, 10 years ago and never knew that he did it until last year. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I'm um, not saying a kid should die, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. No, you're basically saying yeah. that, you know, this guy, it's like a Jerry Springer kind of thing. You know, they're like, yes, you are the father. And suddenly he's like, I will defend this child with my life. I will go to the ends of the earth for it. Calm down there. Cowboy. The kid's like 10 years old already. He's already lived 10 years of his life without you. He doesn't need you at this point. Oh, except for the fact that he's just going to be used as a tool by all of your enemies, because even your super smart girlfriend who apparently she's going to be his girlfriend again. Yeah can't figure out where he is. You know, she can use facial recognition to find anybody anywhere in the world, but can't figure oh, out where this kid does, is. Doesn't she have flipping technology that they can scan the city to detect someone's heart rate? Yeah. 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 A yeah. specific yeah. heartbeat amongst every other heartbeat, but she can't find where this soccer mom, single soccer mom, has stashed yeah. away this one generic child. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Chase kills himself, which completely takes away, you know, his comeuppance from Oliver, you know, getting his revenge and killing him or putting him in jail or whatever it is. But, of course, he kills himself because his heart is attached to bombs that are completely around the entire island, which they end it with the island blowing up, which I think is phenomenal because now the freaking thing is gone forever uh but again they they leave you the cliffhanger that oliver's whole team and friends and william's mother and everybody else are still on the island because guess they were what, on folks? a plane that they couldn't get started yes guess what folks they're not on the island right they made it off yeah the only one that probably didn't make it off i can't think of her name now but the girl that joined his team and then was working for Chase and then oh, yeah. um, pretended to be Artemis. killed. Artemis, yeah. That's the only one I can believe probably is actually dead because she was locked in a cell in the middle of the island. Well, I'll tell you someone who is dead. Oh, and this this is the thing that pisses me off <laughs> the most about the episode. Yep. Go. Oh. It is Malcolm's sacrifice. Okay. 
because in the middle of this island that's been tramped and trampled and has had people on it setting up these bombs, because you know Chase didn't do it himself. Yeah. He, he hired people to go around and plant bombs yeah. everywhere. They find one old landmine, and Thea happens to step right on it, and it makes that loud click noise so that the audience knows. Everybody oh, knows. Something's happening. Yeah. And then... Of course, you know, oh, the, the trigger has been broken off to the side, so there's no way we can, it's, like... It's rusted. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't, like, deactivate it. So, you know, Malcolm, like, shoves her out of the way so that he can stand on it instead. Because mm-hmm. that's a thing. And then gives some little speech about how, you may never have thought that I was your father, but you were always my daughter. Right, right. And, and run... And then stands there while Captain Boomerang and some of the cronies show up and surround him, and then we get an off-camera explosion. Now, he sacrificed himself for Thea, yeah. so he, you know, he always he always maintained how much he loved her and cared about her being her father, and on and on and on, because um, he was the father of the year who actually tried to be in his daughter's life, even though he was also a pretty bad guy. Yeah, many times tried to many many to times herself. Yeah, tried to give her her birthright she's, kind of thing. She's the whole reason. I mean, he's the only whole reason why she can fight and be speedy. You know, except that she doesn't want to anymore. Cause, Correct, you know. but just but she could if she wanted to. Yep. Yep. What I hate is we've just taken five years meeting this character. He's been on you know Flash. He's been on uh, Legends of Tomorrow. He was a main character this season, but you know a secondary main character, whatever you want. He is a very well-established character on this show. His backstory is inter- intertwined with multiple shows, with multiple characters. Oh yeah, he was. You know, his son was Oliver's best friend who died absolutely. in the first season. I mean, and caused that was, rift between him and Laurel. I mean, yeah, Malcolm Merlin. He, you're right. Has touched everything. He, he became Rachel Ghoul. I mean, like he is a pretty important character in the mythos of this show, of the Arrow universe, if you will, the Arrowverse. Yep. And they kill him off screen? Yep. I mean, he doesn't even get... I mean, seriously, he... Yeah, oh, we know he sacrificed himself to save Thea, blah, blah, blah. He, He... They kill him off screen. I thought that was such a slap in the face... Not only that. To, I, to John Berryman and all of us as fans. Yeah, and, and I agree completely. And it's not like nobody ever went back to check on his body. You know, there was never anything beyond that. And then to add to that, kind of with what we were talking about earlier, within two days, he was online. John Berryman was online announcing to everybody, yeah, just so you know, I will not be back on the Arrowverse. You know, yeah. my time is done. It was a good run. I had a lot of fun. But, no, I you will know, not be back. I, so I watched that whole video, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. So, essentially... It's another one of those where they had him die off screen because, you know, that's the type of thing that always yep. makes you wonder. Did he get out in time? Did he grab Captain Boomerang and throw him down and survive the blast? But then you've got the real life actor saying, nope, see ya. But, I mean, ultimately they could say, well, we never actually some die. So a couple seasons now we can write him into an episode if we need to, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. you're right. But then I would feel even more cheated. Mm-hmm. No matter what they do, they they just need to leave him dead. Yep. And it really it irked me. 
it really irked me how they handled it, what they did. I, I was not a fan of that whatsoever. When I saw the team running away from that area and you could kind of see over their back shoulders, I was like, are you kidding me? We're going to get an off-camera explosion. And then, boom, son of a bitch, we got an off-camera explosion. That's the and, best this and, guy gets. And that was a pretty giant explosion for yep. a single landmine, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, considering that, was... that you could see that much fire. Landmines don't typically have fire, you know? They they tend to be a contained kind of... Anyway, I, I'm getting... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's like in movies, when a car hits another car, they both explode into flames. Which... Never seen that happen stack consistently in real life. The, the best joke about that was in 21 Jump Street, the movie... Yes. And how they kept expecting things to explode, you know, like the gas truck and the motorcycle slides into it and nothing happened, you know. Yeah. But then the chicken truck is the one that explodes. Yeah. that it, You never see those kind of explosions. You never see yeah. a landmine go off like that, like, because they're partly buried underground, you know. It's right. the upward force and the shrapnel and stuff. It's not a fiery explosion. No, it's definitely not a fire explosion that erupts, you know, 30 feet into the sky. Yeah, like so. an oil derrick. Exactly. So, but yeah, yeah. Not pleased at all with how they handled Malcolm Merlin. Nope. And like you said, not pleased at all with the rolling of the eyes. First off, that Chase had managed to get to that island that much ahead of them that he could have the entire place peppered with explosives. Like... Not even like, oh, there's dynamite strapped to this tree. These were buried under the sand, and they were high-tech explosives that were wired to his heartbeat, which is ridiculous. Yep. But, and and for, whatever even, for whatever reason, Talyagul is following him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because, you know, she trained him, so she's going to... So she's going to... So she's going to follow him? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, the, you've heard of the the student has become the master. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Only that's, a master of evil, Darth. That's, that's probably what's happened. Yeah. But the thing, it's so insulting, is that the entire other part of the cast was on that plane. Everyone was there. There is zero chance that that plane does not survive. Yeah, if, no. If it was no. one character, you know, if it had been Diggle. You know, and we yep. know that he has suffered this season, and we know that he's had to deal with some harsh things like the whole Layla's keeping secrets and doing really dark stuff. Uh, the fact that he now has a son when he should have had a daughter because of Flashpoint. You know, he's had to deal with a lot of stuff. He's by himself in a boat that won't start or in a plane that won't start, and we don't know if he's going to survive. That's a little more believable. It's very believable. You know, like, yeah, Diggle's character would be a loss to the show, but... Yep. It would be believable. And, and it would give them a fire burning for the next season of, you know, we need to yep. really close our ranks and be stronger about this. They can't even put Felicity at peril anymore because they've done it too many times. Yep. Yep, they really have. And that's the thing is they're no longer putting normal people in peril. They're putting team members and cast members in peril. Yeah. You know, when was the last time that you can remember that there was a legitimate threat to, like, a group of civilians? Oh, none. Because remember, the civilians rallied against Damien Dark. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the only character you could say was the quote-unquote last character that they killed was Katie Cassidy's Laurel Lance. But not even then. She's made how many guest appearances this season? And 
they've already said that she's going to be a series regular next season as Black yep. Canary or Black Siren. Yep. Black Siren, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Get your shit together, DC Universe. Yeah. Anyhow, um, keeping with the comic books, because it's really the only other show I have to talk about for the most part, is Gotham. <laughs> um, I watched this week's episode. I enjoyed this week's episode better than last week's episode. Yep. Last week's episode sort of pissed me off a little bit, mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, let's just start out with Selena goes to kill Toos. Alfred tries to stop her. Alfred, she confirms that Alfred's had a feeling of this isn't Master Bruce. Toos <laughs> kicks Alfred's ass. Yeah, like everyone else does, except the moments where he looks awesome, and then he gets beat up a lot. Yep. This is supposed and then, to be the guy who's teaching Bruce how to fight. Yeah. And then, of course, the timing of it all, Bruce comes back to town, but, he, yeah, at the end. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that I was just like, power off, was <laughs> when Lee uh, shot herself up oh my with, God. The, uh, with, with the with the, with the the virus blood. Yeah. What? What have they done with her character? Oh, you just wait till this week, sir. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a feeling. Because I saw the preview, and I saw, Let, you know, Bruce is going yeah. to release the bomb. and Oh, yeah. It looks ridiculous. Oh, what do you think? You know, because, like, like, when Barnes injected himself, he became angry. He became, you know, he was the judge, jury, executioner, on and on and on. <sighs> Go on. Sorry. Yeah. So... The, 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 the thing affects people differently. It affects whatever it is that's kind of like in their subconscious that they harp on all the time or whatever it is. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I thought that it was a rage virus. I thought that it made no, it's, it's rage. Nope, it's not a rage virus. It's whatever. It brings out their true self, their true nature, who they are type okay. of thing. But it does give them strength, agility, shit like that as well. Okay. So what do you think Lee's inner self truly is a sex demon nope she's basically a not as crazy but hyped up higher level Barbara who her big inner thing is is that she loves Jim so much that it it makes her a little crazy Mm, goody yep yep I was like, seriously. Yeah. I like the fact that um, that they had the pieces of the broken owl statue and were able to reassemble it perfectly so that the map showed perfectly <laughs> through a light source. Yeah, no glitches on the map, no, no missing no missing sections of the map. Yeah, because yep. yep. it broke so evenly and so squarely. Yeah, that's how blastings break. Barnes's character has gotten ridiculous. I liked it when he was just like the, I need to punish the wicked and was walking around with like whatever he had, like a shotgun. Now that he's dressed in like a gimp suit and he's putting on black eye makeup and has an axe for a hand for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, because he's not like he lost his hand. Well, yeah, it's ridiculous. Before he put the axe hand on, it's not like he lost his hand. Yeah. It, it's not yeah. like he needed to put a prosthetic there. He just, oh, here we go. And it's like the Court of Owls had a suit in his size waiting there with an axe hand for him. They were like, here you go. Yeah. 
And then, of course, he took the, the, the female Court of Owls lady's head off. Yeah. Probably yeah. the only thing good that he's done. No, I actually, I liked when he was just going rage-filled, like, yep. I'm going to punish the wicked. Because that made sense, you know? He's worked in the police department all this time. He's watched all this shit happen. There's probably a big part of him that says, screw regulations, I want to punish the wicked. Why don't we get to these people get to walk? You know, I could see that. It made sense. But now it's just like... It's crazy. It's comic booky again. And I know it's a comic book show, but it doesn't have to be quite so comic booky in that respect. They had a good thing going with him and the whole shotgun wielding, you know, I am the law. Nobody else is going to do this. I have to. But now for him to be like sitting there at the judge's bench and like banging his axe hand and saying, I will be your judge, jury and executioner. Then why don't you just kill him? Yeah, it's just that, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, But uh, we have this past Monday's episode to talk about, and then there's a double episode Monday, June the 5th, and then that show's done for the season. Yay. So let's talk about something we both love. Okay. Let's talk about Doctor Who. Yes. So... Uh, what did you think of the episode? I, I thought it was great. It, like, I had been complaining this season, not really complaining, but expressing concern, saying that I missed the double episodes of last season and how, like, they were able to set up a, a storyline in one episode and then have the resolution in the second episode, and it yep. kind of lets you dig in a little deeper. And yes. what they've kind of done here in a stealthy way is the past well, including this one, the past three episodes, and now next week's episode, all tie in together. Like, it's not like in the past where they've had episodes where there's been, like when we first met Missy in the first season of Capaldi, and she was kind of like a PS character in several episodes, and then would disappear and didn't show up till later. This one, they keep the story going. Like, they went to space, and the Doctor lost his sight. And yep. you were like, oh, wow, what's going to happen? Well, then the next episode picks right up with him still having lost his sight and having to deal with, you know, the Veritas book. And we learn about the alternate reality. And then by the end of that, you're like, whoa, well, where are they going to go from here? Oh, wait, they're going to pick right up again exactly where they left off. And we're going to get Bill being picked up by unit. And I really liked yep. her uh, her whole thing when they said, you know, we need you to get in touch with the president. She's like, why would I want the president? He's crazy. He's orange. And I was like, bah, giving a little dig there. But, um, you know, they're talking about the the stipulation that they have where the president of the world is the doctor. Yes. Yep. And the other thing I liked, well, I liked a lot about the episode. Yeah. I liked how... Um, like they did the the three minutes till midnight clock type of thing. Yes. And they kept, you know, it was on everyone's phones, and they kept advancing the time and advancing the clock and everything. And it made you think it was going to be – it took them a long time to figure out that it wasn't a military action that was happening. There was something else, well, biological. But you know what I mean? Like it was the assumption that some people were going to fight each other. Yep. 
and this is what was going to make this happen, not that there was going to be a lab accident that was going to be unleashed on the earth and, and make you know this bad thing happen. Right. So and, I, I liked how they did that because it wasn't the typical, oh, the military is causing it to happen. Right. And they set it up that way because, you know, the, the pyramid yep. appeared in the middle of a triangulated point between armies of Russia, China, and the U.S. Yep. So it really looked like this would be a military, you know, we're going to go to war kind of thing. Yep. But I liked also how they had the, not really behind the scenes, but you got to see what led to this biological outbreak. You know, it was her accidentally getting the door shut on her purse that had her glasses. So without her glasses, she couldn't make the calculations, so she had to rely on her coworker who was hung over. And yeah. so he couldn't read the screen right and screwed up and set in, you know, it was the a hundred units was, too many or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And the whole thing was set in motion because of these little accidents that led to, you know, one big thing. Right. That was cool. It wasn't nothing malicious. Right. It wasn't anything malicious. And then of course, you know, the doctor gets himself in a scenario where he has to admit to Bill that he's blind, that he right. can't see. He's stymied by simple technology that his sonic couldn't get him out of. And yeah, <laughs> because it's a little spin dial lock. Exactly. I thought that was kind of neat. Yes. Um, and then I uh, I actually was a little bothered by Bill going back and surrendering the entire Earth for the doctor to get his vision. Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. It was kind of... You would have thought that if she was going to surrender the Earth, it would be stop the plague that's about to happen, you know, or something right. major like that, not give him his sight back so that he can get into that room and not be blown up. Yeah. Yeah, that – I had a problem with that. And I get it because – Now she's, she's trying to go back on the deal already. Right. Now that I've done this deal, you need to figure out a way to stop this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I get it because, like, the, the place was going to blow up. And it was going to kill the virus before it got out. So essentially they had saved the world from that catastrophe. If she had let the doctor get blown up, uh, not knowing about regeneration. See, if she, I wonder if she had known about the regenerations, if she would have acted differently. Right. Um, I read an article that was kind of spot on. And they said that it was very similar to like with um, uh, Tennant when he went out. You know, all this big stuff. He's stopping the Time Lords from coming back into existence. He's stopping the Master. And then he gets stymied because, you know, Wilfred walked into the box. Yeah. And had to knock and say, could you let me out? And in this case, it was the same kind of thing, you know, against impossible odds. He sets it up so that the, you know, the ventilation system isn't going to disperse this biological agent. And the fire is going to cleanse the entire place. And everyone's going to be saved on the entire planet. But he gets stymied by a spin dial lock. Yes, that he can't use his sonic screwdriver or anything besides his vision that he doesn't have yep. to get out of it. Yep. yep. And so, yeah, if she had known about the regeneration, would she have made the same choice? I don't know. Uh, I know that next episode, Missy's coming back. Yes, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, we're only got a couple episodes left at this point. I'm a little nervous overall because they've been doing interviews lately and uh, Michelle Gomez, who plays Missy, has said that as far as she knows and as far as she's concerned, when Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi leave at the end of the season, she is also leaving. So Missy yes. will not be back in this form, at least. Uh, Pearl Mackey has said 
she's pretty sure that Bill will not be going on, which is too bad because I really like when a character witnesses a regeneration and they're there to kind of help ease the new doctor in. Do you think that's going to be Nardo's role? Maybe. It, it may have to be. It may fall to him, you know, because if Pearl Mackey goes as well, then, you know, what have we got? It, it would, at that point, it would almost be like when uh, Moffat took over and we had Smith and, you know, Karen Gillan and uh, it kind of rebooted from the ground up. That's what it's yeah. feeling more and more like, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We got a lot of good things out of Smith's years. We got a lot of good things out of Capaldi's years. It just makes me nervous every time something like that happens that you could lose the core audience and then lose the show. Because you don't have an anchor yeah. there to help the new everything along. Because, you know, the doc- Doctor Who is unique when it comes to the main character – you know, can be killed because he can regenerate and you can get a new actor, but not every doctor, not everyone's a fan of every doctor. You know, like I had a hard time with Peter Capaldi's first season and I loved the second season. I'm loving the third season, right? Is this his third? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. But I had a hard time with his first season. I was not a fan of his portrayal of a doctor of the doctor in the first season. I know a lot of people were not a fan of Matt Smith, right? But there was enough elements from that helped carry them over from when David Tennant left um, that they you know they they stuck with it. Yep. Um, and you know. I still don't like how he. I still don't like how his his end of days came. Um, how that last episode was, or whatever that last special, but whatever, it, it's fine. I didn't hate it. I just wasn't a huge fan of it. So, gotcha. I, I, and I think it has to do with the fact that David Tennant's final days were so <laughs> amazing. Yes, absolutely. Oops, absolutely amazing. That is just it's hard to compare it. So, but anyway, so yeah, my point is. With if they are going fresh slate, you know, if Bill's not going to be there going forward, uh, and everyone else is not going to be there, it, it is going to be a little difficult, maybe. But I'll give it a shot. I'm not going to abandon oh, absolutely. it by any means. <laughs> and knowing the way that they've done it in the past, you know, I would yeah. give it several shots. You know, I oh yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, absolutely. I'm not going anywhere. It's Doctor Who. You know, it would yeah, have to do some uh, really majorly bad stuff for yeah. me to go anywhere. No, I agree with your statement. Um, uh, yeah, that I did was not a great watch episode. I, I really oh, yeah. can't wait for the next one. Yes, I, I didn't see the next time scenes yet. So, but I think we have what three episodes left. Yeah, uh, I will yeah. say this for the next time episodes. It like at one point they said uh, they were like nobody has seen the Doctor in over six months except for those little broadcasts that he keeps doing from somewhere, and it looks yeah. like he's making these like you know resist stand against kind of um, broadcast. They live type things. Yep. And this time the monks are there, but they're in yellow robes instead of red robes, which is interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, and I did like the part in this episode where like they talked about why the monks look the way they do. And the response is, Oh, well we tried to look like you. Yeah. 
We wanted to look like humans, and in our minds, humans are nothing more than rotting flesh, basically. <laughs> like, yep. it's like, ouch. I like that's that, harsh. I like that you know different rulers or different leaders, like the leader of the UN, or then the three leaders of the uh, armies. They yeah. tried to surrender, and they were like, "You can't surrender with you know." This is a strategy. Or, yeah, yeah. Or uh, out of fear, you have to do yeah. it out of love, and yeah. that's why Bill was able to because she loved the doctor and wanted him Absolutely. to be saved. And, yep, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, I did not watch class. Okay. Uh, it, I I plan on being caught up for the finale. It was good. Um, the episode was titled "The Medical, The Metaphysical Engine, or What Quill Did." Yep. And it was good. It felt like a Doctor Who kind of thing. They involved yep. a small artifact called the Metaphysical Engine, which basically does what you think it does. It allows you to travel to imaginary places like heaven. You know, some yep. place that is a, a concept but may not physically exist, but you get to travel to that concept of it because if enough people or enough entities believe in something strongly enough, they can create it. Ah, okay. So it was good, and it really went along well with the episode from the week before. Uh, as I said, you know, the, the one from the week before at the end, you're like, what? And you're like, oh, there must have been something else happening. So it was definitely a two-parter that they didn't mention, but that's why it's called Or What Quill Did. Because mm -hmm. she was off. Um, yeah, I liked it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What else did you watch, sir? Um, Lucifer, not even going to get into it because it was ridiculous. Uh, Downward Dog, I watched the second episode. And I got to say, anybody out there who has had a dog in their life and who loves dogs, not somebody who, like, you know, just, oh, yeah, I've had a dog, but whatever. But people who, like, really get into it with their dogs and they're, like, you know, a member of your family and stuff, you got to watch this show because – the majority of the show is the dog. Like he spends a lot of time narrating and talking to the, the camera and stuff. And it's not goofy. It's almost like Zen. Like it's really interesting. You know, he's talking about big changes happening in his life and how, you know, he's like, I'm not scared. It's just, it's a lot of change. And, and I needed to cope with that change. And the best place to cope with that was as far away from the door as possible. So like he's hiding under the bed and he's talking about, you know, he used to have this friend years ago and it was an old monkey toy. And when you'd squeeze it, it would say, I love you. And he's like, this guy always loved me, you know? And it was like, I could make him say it. I could force him to say that he loved me. And you'd see the dog chewing on it and it's saying, you know, I love you. <laughs> nice. But it's a really, good show. It's only a half an hour. It's really touching and cute and zen-like. And again, I said it about the first episode and I'll say it again. Whoever writes for this show obviously has had dogs and loves them and understands how we think that they think, you know, a lot yeah. of it was like that. So it really is something that if you're a dog person, if you're a pet person in general, Check this show out, Downward Dog. It's on Hulu. It's on ABC Tuesdays. They've only had three episodes now. I haven't watched the third episode because that'll be for next podcast. But check this it, show out. It is great. It's fun and touching. And, yeah, I really liked it. Nice. Um, there were a couple of season finales of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Won't even get into it. Bull, I love this show. Again, I'm so glad it's coming back. 
Um, it was interesting this week, American Gods and Handmaid's Tale both had um, other side of the tracks episodes. So like American Gods, this episode was all about Laura Moon, uh, which was Shadow's wife. Uh, in the first episode, you learn, you know, when he gets out of prison, he's all excited to see her. And then they have the whole thing where they talk about how she's dead and she was in a car accident. And so in this episode, you get to see how the two of them met, what her life was like before she met him, what happened the night that she died and what's happening now. Because of course, you know, this show is all about gods and people die and then don't die. So it was an interesting episode, although I will say that it makes you hate her even more. Like, she is a horrible person. When you find out that she's dead and you find out why, which was earlier in the season, you're like, wow, she's a terrible person and Shadow seems like a cool guy. In this episode, you're like, wow, she is a horrible person. What a wench. And then over in, but it was still, it's a good-ish show. It, it's yeah. it's still keeping my interest enough that I want to watch more of it. It's not something that I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to see the next episode. Um, and Handmaid's Tale in this episode, um, spoiler alert for the five people in the world who haven't read the book or aren't watching the show, but um, in the last episode, they had talked about how this guy was like, you know, oh, I think your husband's still alive and I can get him a message. And it was like, <gasps> really? Because we heard him die off camera in the very first episode. And so this episode is all, again, about what happened to him in the meantime. So it was interesting that both of those shows at the same time were having those type of episodes where it's like, oh, what happened to the other character while our main character has been living their life and doing their things? Okay. Yep. Still, uh, not a bad. I like episode. that. I like it when they do episodes like that. Yeah, it can break up the monotony, and it also gives yep. you a different perspective. And both of them did it pretty well. Um, nice. Uh, there, there was a good zombie-like scene in American Gods that I appreciated. Um, nice. But yeah, um, that's all I'll say about those because they were good. And I got to ask: Did you watch the season finale or series finale of Making History? Um, you know, I, I don't think I did. It was okay. But the one note that I had to make was that, yeah. um, the main character there, and I can't even think of his name, but Adam Pauly's character, he decided he wanted to help Chris by getting him his job back. So he went to the, uh, the senior professor there, the old black guy yeah, and told him about the time machine. And told him, you know, I could take you back in time and we can see stuff. And he's like, all right, cool. So the guy climbed into the duffel bag with him and he was all excited and he got too excited and had a heart attack and died. And so Adam's like, oh, I can't do this. I, I, I can't kill the guy. So he went back in time to stop himself from killing this guy. But he had to do it multiple times because, like, the first time he goes back, he's like, look, I'm about to come in here and tell you about something. And please just stay calm. Do not overreact. Do not die. And the guy's, like, getting all worked up and has a heart attack. So they actually did a montage to Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again of him just killing this guy multiple times. And to the point where, like, later on they're driving around in a car and it's him and Chris and then, like, four different versions of the guy in different outfits from when he had died in different places. Gosh. It was great, though. I'll have to check that out. Yep. 
I'll have to check that out. I uh, I did watch a movie this week. I watched a couple. Okay. Um, I watched The Great Wall. Oh, okay. Matt Damon uh, tries to give himself an accent. Basically <laughs> sounds a lot like... Um, um, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio as the wizard from Oz TV show. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like that. It's supposed to be Spanish, by the way. <laughs> okay. It's the only thing I can think of. Like, that's what his voice kind of reminded me of. Um, pretty neat movie. You know, it's a cool little monster movie. Um, they do a good job with it. I know there was a lot of people that were like, why do you have to have an Asian movie, but you got to whiteify it by having the hero be a white guy. Right. Uh, he's not the hero. Excellent. And he's actually Spanish on the show, on the movie. He's supposed to be a Spaniard, but he's not the hero. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the hero is an Asian person. Excellent. Who, you know, who does the, who, 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 you know, um, but, uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It was a good, it was a, basically it's a monster movie. That's the impression that I yeah. got from it, which was why I was interested in seeing it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's a monster movie and it's a pretty solid one at that. So yeah. Nice. I also watched John Wick chapter two. <laughs> what do you now, think you- about that? You saw this in the theaters, correct? Correct. Okay. So one of the things I really liked about it is it really delved into that secret society that he's a part of, that yes. secret assassination and the rules and this and that and the, you know, the, the hierarchy and how things are done and on and on and on. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Absolutely. Was, they really fleshed was, it out without being over the top, without like beating yes. us over the head with it. But like yeah. the way that they had money and the way that they explained things and like yeah. you said, the rules, you know, the rules were very important to them. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. They did a great job of that, you know. Um, loved that part. Yep. Um, I plan on watching the movie again, and this time I'm going to keep a running tally of all the people that John Wick kills in the movie. Ooh, get some Because, <laughs> holy crap, does he kill a lot of people. <laughs> yes. I mean, he murders... 50, 60 people, I bet, in this movie. Oh, you more know, than like, that. He does oh, that at, just in the tunnels. At, I mean, oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, at the very least, this guy kills so many people and so many headshots. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He yeah, shoots was, everybody in the head. And I remember talking about that on the pay, uh, the podcast. Yeah. Was, it was always like a double tap. It was like one in the gut to slow him down and then one in the head. Yeah. You know, yeah. one in the leg, one in the head. And he was very consistent about that. Yeah. And did you see what I was talking about where uh, originally in the Lethal Weapon TV series, you were like, Riggs holds his gun weird. Who holds a gun like that? And then John Wick holds it the exact same way. Yes. Yes, he does. I, I, now that you're saying that, I remember that. But, yeah, no, he yeah. – I, I, I got to say I like the movie. I'm a fan. I thought I thought as far as sequels go, it was a good sequel. Yep. Really um, set up the next movie. Holy crap. It really did. It really did set up a third movie, which I heard is in the works, which is fine. I'll watch it. Yep. Um, I think it, 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 in the first movie, basically it's a revenge flick. Yes. So they kind of give us hints of this secret world that he's involved in, but they don't go into it. And this movie, they are able to go into it and they did a good job going into it. Yep. 
and they do a good job explaining, all right, this is why he has to now go do what he needs to do, and this is why the people are coming for him, and this is what he does by, you know, uh, to, to set up for the third movie. I don't want to give away too much, right. but um, actually, as far as sequel, it, it was not a letdown. It was not a disappointment. No, it was not the greatest thing in the world. It, it you know, this is not an A plus kind of thing. It yeah. is an action movie and it is a balls out action movie. Like yeah. this could have given a lot of eighties action movies a run for their money. Um lot of killing, lot of blood, oh, lot of death. So much killing. Jesus. Jesus. If you like what they call gunplay movies, you'll love this movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he's talking about the different guns that he wants, you know, when he's making the order and he's like, you know, and, and to finish, you know, something. Oh yeah, for dessert. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the suit that he has made, you know, it really, it was like the darker side of a James Bond kind of thing in those respects. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, the evil Q essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it really made me want to learn more and see more about that world, and that's what's going to be the third movie. You know, the third movie is going to delve a lot deeper into that, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But, yeah, as far as, like, when you get right down to it, this is a movie about killing and action. You know, the opening sequence of him getting his car back is... Oh! <laughs> Jesus! I love it because we get an- another Russian now talking about John Wick. yes. And I yes. love how I just I, what I whatever it is from the first movie and now this movie they do such a great job, and I love how his henchman's like, yeah, I get it. He killed him with a pencil. What's the big deal? You ever seen someone kill someone with a pencil? <laughs> and then in the movie we get to see him kill a couple guys with a pencil, and he's like, all right, that's that's how we did it. Yep. You know, like <laughs> okay, that is how he did it. Yep, makes sense. Um. Yeah, um, I I really really enjoyed the movie. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll probably Did, see the third one in the theater when it comes out. Yeah, th- yep, yep. Um, Did we talk about Zack Snyder stepping down from Justice League and Joss Whedon stepping in to finish the film last week? Nope, we did not. It's in my notes for this week. Hey, did you hear? Yeah, that Zack Snyder, if some sort of family tragedy, is stepping down from Justice League. And Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon is stepping up to finish the film. I've actually read a lot on this because I, I have not. So. I wanted to get my story straight because, you know, you and I have both talked in the past and we are both pretty much anti-Zack Snyder. You know, yeah, at this point, he I like him about as much as I like Michael Bay. Yep. He does a bad job of his movies. You know, I've not been a fan of what he has done, etc. That being said, I do, I would not have wished this upon him. Basically, the reason that he stepped down, they put the yeah. movie on hold for two weeks because his wife is a producer on the movie. He's the director. Their yep. 20-year-old daughter killed herself. Yeah. And that sucks. You know, that's it a tragedy. Absolutely. I, I don't know what the story is behind it, but the fact that their daughter killed herself – 
I would not have wished that, you know, I'm not the type of person that's going to be like, oh, thank God he's not doing the movie because of this. No, that's, that's terrible. That would be terrible. Please don't think that of me or any of us over here at what did you watch this week? Um, you know, that's a tragedy and my heart goes out to him and his wife. I'm glad that, you know, apparently they took a two week hiatus and then they came back and said, let's just dive into our work, try to, you know, immerse ourselves and it just wasn't working. So they both stepped away. Good for them. You know, I'm glad that they're doing that. Take the time that they need. Um, the movie was mostly done anyway. It seems that what, uh, Joss is going to be doing is doing some reshoots, doing some edits, um, finishing up a couple of scenes, but pretty much Snyder had done most of the work on the movie. So it's still going to be a Zack Snyder movie, essentially. It's just that Joss will have a hand in the finalization, you know, touching up here and there. Um, but yeah, but he, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, even though he's just, you know, has a part in the finalization, he could put a little bit of the Joss magic in there. I really hope that he does. Um, and set you us know, up for his Batgirl movie. Exactly. And that, I think, is what I was thinking of the most, is like, you know, he could be setting us up for the Batman movie, his Batgirl movie. Yep. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. I wouldn't wish that to happen to anyone, and it is massively unfortunate. Um, That being said, it almost feels like Joss Whedon going to the DC movie universe is like Stan Lee going to... DC Comics, you know, back in the day type of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it does seem really odd that Josh, it was, I mean, it was odd as odd as hell when he took over, when he when, when it was announced that he was going to do Batgirl. You right. know? Um, but now if you think about the fact that he is now going to put, putting, the, he's going to put a polish on and put the finishing touches on essentially the DC version of Avengers. Yep. After what he did with Avengers. Yep. And when this movie comes out, if it's not, how much flack do you think he'll get for the movie if fans don't like it? Uh, and they, you know, as it is, you know, they're going to compare it to Avengers. Right. I, I think that some of the less informed ones who look at this and say, oh, he's doing the whole movie might give him a lot more flack. But I think that for the most part, people are going to look at it and say, you know, he only did the final touches to it. So, you know, ultimately it's a Zack Snyder thing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they step aside from that and say, you know, no, we know that this is what it is. Right. What it is. Hopefully that's what happens. Yep. My fingers are crossed. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else, sir? Yeah. The, um, we just finished up with the Mila Jovovich Resident Evil movies. You know, they said, finally, we're oh, done. You know, this is the last I one. Oh, yeah. And now they've announced, oh, they're getting a reboot in the form of six, six movies. Six movies, yes. It's absurd. That is absurd. That, that is, is absurd. Ridiculous. I don't even know. I can't even think straight about that. It just boggles my mind to think that they've set up six movies already. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And this is more for fans of the video games, I guess, but there's a series of games called Uncharted, 
and it follows a guy named Nathan Drake who is kind of a Indiana Jones type. You know, yep. he's young, dashing, good looking, um, and always trying to save treasures from the hands of nefarious bad guys. Um, it's been a great series of games, very popular, and they announced recently that there is going to be a movie, but the twist is that in the third game, there was a period where you played a young version of Nathan Drake, like when he was first, he first met his friend Victor Sullivan, uh, he was kind of, you know, running around the streets, stealing stuff, dodging government agents, you know, he was like... Tw- 13, 14 years old, something like that. You know, back when he was first learning to be a thief. And uh, that's the version that they're going to be focusing on. And Tom Holland, who's playing Spider-Man in the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming, will be playing that young Nathan Drake. Which I can see that, but it seems odd that they've got this character who has had like five or six games and he's really well known and really beloved and they could do anything that they wanted with the movie and they're doing a young version of him first so that seems kind of odd to me but i'll still watch it all right fair enough and of course you heard that they're doing a venom universe spinoff yes i did and who did i hear was cast as venom um what's his name there? He played Bane in... Um... Yeah, uh, Tom Hardy. Yes, thank you. And I was just like, oh, good. Yeah, another movie where he can have something over his face and I can't flip and understand what he's saying. And, and another character that is meant to be huge and bulky and muscular, but we've got Tom Hardy, who's like five foot four and, yeah. you know, okay, but not really beefy and muscular. You know, I'd rather see someone like The Rock. You know, or Batista, who's got the muscle. Because that was always the thing in the comics. You know, Eddie Brock didn't inherit the super spider strength. Um, the absolute person, perfect person to play Eddie Brock would be Brock Lesnar. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he built his muscles up because he didn't right. have the, the spider strength from the symbiote. He had right. the other abilities, but he didn't have the strength. So yep. he was muscular. But just based on physical appearance alone, you know, Brock Lesnar could be an awesome Venom. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Um, Now, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned to me earlier in the week a TV show that you had started watching, and you said that we were going to talk about it, and we haven't talked about it yet. And that would be the original Twin Peaks. Yes. Okay, so I talked to Aaron about this a little bit the other day, or last week on Podcast of a Thousand Holds. Okay. Because uh, he's a huge Twin Peaks fan. So we just briefly touched on I wanted to get his opinion on something. And so the first season's eight episodes. The second season is 22 episodes. Um, okay, so the show is... First of all, it has a, a cast where you, you recognize a lot of names and then you recognize a lot of people who you'd see later on in other stuff. Yep. So, like, maybe at the time they weren't a big name, but they definitely became one or they became a character actor or something. So, you know, the guest stars and this and that, you, you see a lot of recognizable people. And I keep looking at the main detective and thinking of him as the captain. Yes, exactly. Yes. Ahoy. Uh, <laughs> My favorite thing about the show is the fact that it 
it doesn't take place in 1989, 1990. You know, it was filmed in 89, came out in 90 type of thing. It's the fact that that's when it was filmed. So there's no cell phones. Yeah. You know, so it has it has a look and feel that still holds up, you know, and I, I, I'm really digging it. It kind of reminds me of the early episodes of, like, Law & Order or The X-Files as far as the look and the feel. You know what I mean? Of mm-hmm. it's, that's, it's just that's the time frame, you know? Yep. Um, and it doesn't look dated, if that makes sense. I mean, it's 100% dated because they don't have cell phones, because they don't really have computers going on, you know, but... I don't know. I just I love the look and feel of it. I love the fact that it takes place when it takes place. Um, okay, so here's some things that are just so odd about the show that I need to get Aaron's opinion on, and it's this: all the characters, every single one of them, are just dramatically and emotionally over the top. <laughs> yes. Right? It's not just one character. It's like all of them practically. Yep. And, but no one bats an eye. Like when the mother's wailing away, and I mean wailing away over the death of her daughter. Oh, that's cool. That's normal. Yeah. You know, when Ray Wise's character, the father, throws himself on the coffin. <laughs> and, and, and it by descends the way, into the what hole. If, what if, how many episodes have you watched? Uh, six or seven. Okay, when he throws himself on the coffin and <laughs> keeps raising and lowering because the mechanism is malfunction. Yeah. It's just going up and down, and the mother's screaming, Don't you ruin this! Don't ruin this too! And everyone's just staring around going like, Man, it's a shame she's gone. You know? Yeah. And then the music, the music to go Holy with God. it is like, it's like the most stereotypically bad soap opera music, but it works. All of this works somehow. It's like they captured magic in a bottle with this because it all works. Like it goes together. Like I'm I'm digging it. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it at times, even though it's super dramatic, super over the top, super cheesy music. Just it, it somehow works, right? I find it to be ridiculous with a capital R. Oh, yes, but it's, it works. There's so much ridiculous about this. And you're right. At times it works. At times I'm like, this is, I can't believe that there are this many people in the world who are like, this is the greatest show, so much so that it is now being revitalized. Yeah. Um, it reminds me, a lot of the scenes of this remind me of, it seems to flop back and forth between either a um, soap opera, like you said, especially yep. with the music. I mean, the oh, opening yeah, the music, music is literally oh, like right out of a soap opera. Um, oh. Or a stage play. Like there are a lot of times when yes. these people deliver their lines yes. and stand there yes. like they're waiting for the next person. Or like they'll they'll all stand there at the end of a speech. Somebody will talk yeah. and then they'll stand there and you'll watch it fade out. And you can almost see like the line saying, you know, pause for curtain to come down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I, I'm definitely I don't know. I'm definitely still watching it because it's intriguing, but the fact, like you were saying about batting an eye, the fact that most of this investigation is being put forward and being investigated based on dreams that Kyle McLaughlin is having. Or like, like, it was in my dream last night, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to hold the the rock. 
I'm going to hold a rock. Oh, my God. You say a suspect's name. I'm going to throw it at that glass bottle. That they had to measure and make sure it was exactly 65 feet away. No, no. 60 feet, 6 inches. The same exact distance from the pitcher's mound to the catcher. That's right. Yeah. So he's going to throw the rock, and depending on how close he gets or if he hits it, that's going to be a suspect or not. And they're all like, okay. Yeah. And don't forget, they have the table of donuts set up. Yes. You know? Yeah. There's an obsession with donuts in the show and black coffee for Tom McLaughlin's character. And and that's the thing is I'm trying to figure out, like, is this guy particularly smart? Not Tom McLaughlin's character, but uh, um, help me here. Who's the guy that created this? Uh, David Lynch. Thank you, David Lynch. You know, is he really smart, or is this another one of those, like, I'm one of the few people that I know of who did not find The Big Lebowski to be the most brilliant movie ever created. Um, Right. I'm not a big fan of the Coen Brothers movies, and yet I know that there are people out there who swear that they are the most brilliant things, and they're so amazing, and blah, 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 and you have to watch them. I've watched them. I don't like them. You know, The Big Lebowski, I watched it. I was like, I don't care for this movie. It wasn't that right. I thought it was terrible. I just, but there are people out there who go to conventions based around The Big Lebowski. And, you know, oh, yeah. you say the dude abides and you got people who are like, dude. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out if this guy is brilliant or if he just managed to fool a bunch of people back in the <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. You know, th- I've used this reference before, but The Emperor's New Clothes. You know, all the people in town were like, oh, those are the most beautiful clothes in the world because none of them wanted to be told that they were a fool. And then finally that kid was like, the emperor's naked. And they all went, oh, my God, he really is. It wasn't just me. I'm not an idiot. But I'm wondering if that's what it is. Like, is this really brilliant or is this really just mass hypnosis? But I'm still watching it because I want to know. I don't know, but I'm still watching it. Like you just said, like it's got me hooked on enough that I, I want to see how it happens. I want to see how it finishes, see how it plays out. So yep. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other thing that I'll say is that there were a lot of trailers this week. I don't want to get into the specifics of all of them, but you had sent yeah. me a batch of them, which was basically oh, yeah. CBS I, announced. Yes, a, a lot of TV of show ones. And I got to say, of all the ones you sent me, there were none that really jumped me and said, oh, my God, I can't wait to see that. A lot of them were like, wow, I can't believe they're putting this on TV. Like that one that you sent me, 9JKL. About- oh, yeah, with Josh Roberts. And not Josh Roberts, but with um the guy from um Royal Pains. Yes, Mark Fierstein. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Josh Roberts. Um No no he his character on the show is Josh Roberts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the the concept that a guy moves back home because he was a celebrity T V star and now he's going to live back at home but yeah. it's in an apartment building and his brother and white his brother's wife with their new baby are on one side and his parents are on the other side and what kind of hijinks can they get into? I watched that and I wanted yeah. to spit the whole time. Yeah, it's basically everybody loves Raymond in apartments more annoying somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really made me angry to watch it and to think that, you know, CBS is putting money behind this. Yep. 
It was ridiculous. But yeah, a lot of the shows that look like they're coming out on CBS this fall, I was not that interested in. SWAT looks like it's not even going to be SWAT. It's going to be Race Wars. Yep, that's what Rude and I were talking about, the same exact thing. Yep. So there was not a lot that I saw that was really exciting me. Um, Wisdom of the Crowd is basically a version of APB. Yeah, with Jeremy Piven for some reason. Yeah, <clears throat> go watch that trailer and just go and, and make the decision for yourself. But I, when I said it to you, I called it APB 2.0. Yep, and that's basically what it is. Yeah. I mean, right down to the point that we've got a guy who's got too much money and says, I want to step away and do something else to help people yeah. in police Basically, work. yeah, billionaire <laughs> makes an app for people to call in crimes and this and that. Uh, he's not, you know, watching the trailer. He's not like taking over a precinct. He's not supplying them all, outfitting them all with weapons, guns, cars, toys, gadgets, etc., etc., etc. It's more centered around like just the app portion of it to try and solve his daughter's murder. And in the interim, he ends up, you know, solving other crimes. Yep. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Again, nothing that really jumped out at me. Uh, you know, me, myself, and I. Eh. The one that you sent me, though, the one with um, uh, Fred Savage, like the college roommates one. Oh, friends from college. Fred, that looks awesome. That's a Netflix one. Yes, that's going to be that, fun. That looks pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, Fred Savage, Keegan Michael Key. The, it looks yeah. like it's going to be really uh, fun. Just the fact that Fred Savage is back on TV. That, that <laughs> I know. Yeah. And without the mole from the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then you had sent me... Logan Lucky. Oh, yeah. And I was just like... Uh, yeah. It, it's one of those that has a lot of people in it. You know, there's a lot of stars. But the concept of it is like, they're idiots. You know, Adam Driver yeah. is a one-armed guy and... Uh, Channing Tatum is an idiot for his brother, and they're going to steal the money that's made at a racetrack during the Coca-Cola 600. Yeah, I just, no, I was I was good with that one. Yeah, I, I was all set. I saw another one for a kid's movie, but it looks like an adult kid's movie. You know, it's animated. It's called Charming. And it's imagining the idea that, like, you've got Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. In the original tales from Disney, they all were in love with Prince Charming in one way or another. Well, what if Prince Charming was one guy and he was actually cursed so that any woman who looked upon him fell in love with him? So, Huh. That sounds interesting, actually. Yeah, it's it's got an interesting concept. and like That's what I mean. His 21st birthday is coming up or something like that. And, uh, like, all the people who are in love with him are going to die, I think, unless he picks the one true love that he wants to spend the rest of his life with. Because basically just from the moment he was born, every time he smiles at a woman, she, like, melts for him. And she's like, I'll do anything for you. So seems interesting. I, I probably won't go out and see it. It'll be one of those no, that, like, shows no. up on HBO or Netflix. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I might check that out in the background. But yeah, it was an interesting idea for a movie. Uh, oh, criminal um, Chicago justice got canceled. It, which you said you weren't really that surprised. I'm not. I'm not real surprised about that at all. Um, the uh, yeah, I just I just wasn't. I, I don't know if there's any more episodes left to air. 
I can't remember what count we're on yet. I feel like there must be because I don't feel like we've gotten a finale yet, you know, season finale type episode yet. But right. Either way, it got canceled, so not not a real big surprise. You don't seem very broken up about it either. I'm not. I know I'm you were not. enjoying it for the most part. Well, I mean, it was it was a background show that I, I would I would check out. You know, I mean, but yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, um, I guess that's everything for me this week. Do you yeah. have anything you want to no, explore? I think that covers okay. the rest of it for me. Cool. All right. Well, um, you know, by the time you hear this, we'll have another episode out in a few days. <laughs> yep. So, there you go. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can find me on the Twitter. I'm at SuperstarML. I'm at the Quantum Geek G33K. The show is at What Did You Watch? We got the Facebook What Did You Watch this week? And uh, yeah, let us know. What you thought of these DC finales or what you're looking forward to coming up. Because, I mean, we do have Preacher coming back in a few weeks. And we have Game of Thrones coming back in July. And we have um, Mr. Robot coming back in a few weeks as well. So we got stuff. Yes. Stuff coming. Just a little lull in between now and then. Yep. A little lull. So anyways, cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week.